Welcome back to the Killer Bees Nuts. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here's Joel Blank and that Jeremy Branham guy. Thanks, Spence. I'm going to see Spence this season. He's going to be at uh, TDECU Stadium, Houston TCU. He's on the call that one with the legendary Tim Brando. I'm going to stop by the booth. I'm going to stop by the booth and have some words with Spence before he Tim calls Tim Brando's that game. got some opinions. Yeah, he's a hot take artist. Certainly is. Spence has some opinions. Yeah, but, but <laughs> like, Tim Brando booth. I, I think because you know he's been doing it so long and he kind of he's kind of in I don't care I can say whatever I want mode. I remember we had him on a couple right, of years ago. Yeah, and he yeah. just he caught a topic that was like a hot button for him, and he went off. Yeah, he didn't stop talking. No, <laughs> I think he was like an eight minute answer. I was like, okay, this is a this is a segment I have off. Um, most improved team in the NFL. The odds are out of the NFL teams that have the chance to be the most improved. Uh, we'll go with the Circus Sportsbook on this one. They'll appreciate the plug. Uh, this is from the Circus Sportsbook. The team with the best odds to be the most improved, I'm, I'm assuming we're going win total here because there's no other way to really you know, describe this. The Chicago Bears, yeah, I knew number this one team to be the most improved. Now, they, they have the... They have the most room to be improved, right? They were the number one pick in the NFL last year. The Bears are the favorite at two to one. The Broncos are four to one after that. Houston Texans seven one. Indy eight to one. Saints nine to one. Those are the only teams with single digit odds. So the Houston Texans have the third best chance to be the most improved team in the league. Chicago Bears first. Now something that's you know correlation here is that you had to be a terrible last year mm-hmm. to kind of be one of the favorites on this list. So this is not something that you can sit there and like pat your back for anything like that. But what are the chances at the end of this season? That the Houston Texans, Vegas will tell you it's seven to one. That the Houston Texans are the most improved team in the league. Um, I don't think the chances are great because I think that one of the four teams that you mentioned, because of their division and because of the upgrade at quarterback, and because of the fact that they still have a ton of skill, I think is a slam dunk for me to be one or two, and that's the Saints. I think when when you look at adding Carr. And getting Michael Thomas, you think, back along with Kamara after three games and adding some of the depth that they have, they've added. I, I think the Saints, because of the division they play in as well, I think they have a chance with a veteran quarterback to make a, a big jump. And I think they could actually win the division. But I think it, that's not a slap in the face to the Texans. I think you heard DJ talking about how, how good that defense that you and I were already expecting to be good look really, really good and have the potential to be good all year with him actually predicting something that I didn't think you know he would go that far to say. And I'm, I'm encouraged by that. So I think there's a lot to be very encouraged by that the Texans are going to be one of the most improved teams in the league. I just think in the case of the Saints, it's, it's like an easier path and the right pieces are in place. I think the NFC South is the worst division in football, no to your point. And I, the Saints are my pick to win the division. How many wins do you think the Saints get, though? Yeah, I'm. That's where like it's like, like 10? nine or ten. Like, that's that's a two three win improvement. Like that's not a huge. Imp- they won seven games last year. So how do they do that with Vegas for the payout? How I'm do they determine this that? Is be the, based the, the margin. The, the, it's the, just the, the, the difference in wins. The delta. So if the Saints win ten games, it's a plus three improvement. Okay. The Houston Texans to match plus three need six wins, and that's I think, possible. It's yeah. possible. It's I, I think that's kind of the window that we have it at uh, mm-hmm. six seven wins. I, I think six. See, Denver with Sean Payton should be better in terms of scheme and, and, and trying to maximize what's left of Russell Wilson. 
problem is in the division that they play in, it's, it's a really tough situation. They won five games. So, like, even if they get to eight wins, that's only plus three. So, Denver's going to be tough. I think Denver's in this conversation. Uh, the Chicago Bears, I mean, Joe, Joe's going to sit there and say it's Chicago, no doubt. Is. And there was a Definitely. team that won three games. They won the fewest amount of you know wins last year, matching the Houston Texans. Texans had the tie, though. Um, and they're bringing back a quarterback that got an MVP vote last year, which is the biggest joke ever. Um, they've added Great. to that running back room. They've added the receivers. They've added DJ Moore. They have a defense that they think is improved, right? So Chicago being the favorite here is no surprise. Now, I'm not as bullish, I don't think you are either, Blankers, that Chicago is going to have this tremendous leap in 2023. No, they're still playing against good, good competition in the division, too. But I think that for them to say, you know, if we're talking about a, uh, the Saints, a plus three, well, I think the Bears could be a plus four easily. I think the Bears yeah. could get to seven wins. I, this is almost just like uh, the Bears were so bad last year, and they spent, I mean, they spent like $80 million on free agency on like just their linebacker room alone this offseason. So, in theory, like they should have a jump to seven or eight wins. And that's just, that's a massive jump. Like for the Saints, that would mean the Saints would have to win 12 games this year. I think the Saints are going to win the division. I'm with you guys. I don't think they're a 12 win football team, though. I don't either. That, that's the Saints winning seven games last year to me disqualifies them from this conversation because they're just too big of a leap that they would have to take to get to twelve wins. I don't think they're a twelve win football team even in a bad division. So I would probably cross the Saints off of my list. Then you you go to the Colts. The Colts are eight to one favorites to be the most improved team. They had four wins last year. Now the Colts seem to have some issues, right? Specifically with Jonathan Taylor. If the Jonathan Taylor situation was fine, if I expected Jonathan Taylor to be healthy, play, you know, and not be happy. Yeah, I don't even need him to be happy. I just need him to play. And mm. if he's if he's playing mad, that's fine. Like a lot no, of times, I think it, if he pay, plays pissed off, like in a wrong way, like he's disinterested in the team and the way sure, he's being treated. But you can play pissed off in a good way, and you all can. of a sudden it makes you a lot better. So like I don't know if you can, if I can put any value in that. But that was a team that won four games. Could I could I envision a scenario? The AFC South, I don't think, is as poor as the NFC South, but outside of Jacksonville, there's not like a slam-dunk playoff team. I think the Colts could get to eight wins if everything went right. Uh, they were a pretty good football team two years ago. Anthony Richardson and Shane Steichen. I could see him having a 100% improvement, a plus-four win total. Yeah, I think plus-four is the window where the Bears and the Colts fall in. I don't think the Texans are quite there yet, but I've seen the Texans and the Colts neck-and-neck neck in, in a lot of these different Vegas casinos with, with, with their, their odds. I, I just feel like... You're going to look at the success and failure of both of these teams based on how their rookie quarterbacks perform. And you're right, from just the simple standpoint of having more skilled position players around them that can play, if Taylor's on the field at all with the other guys that they already have, uh, I think they have they have better skill position players. They're, they're better set for a, a chance to, to compete and, and get more wins, whereas the Texans are... are they're taking steps forward. I just don't think they're on the same timeline. Yet. I like the value of the Colts. I like the value of the Colts at eight to one. To be honest, I think that's what I would play. Like in terms of adding in the Vegas odds and adding in the 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 you know what Vegas is giving me in terms of value. I think I would play Colts eight to one. Broncos four to one. Like I just don't love the odds there. I don't love four don't to love one value. Either. And I don't know how much I look. As much as Sean Payton's probably going to help, I don't know what I really have doubts as to what Russ has still got left. Yeah, I think he stinks. Well, I there you go. I wouldn't touch Denver. With He's going to be. I, see, I'm not touching Denver at four to one. Like if you gave me Denver ten to one, or that's something one. that's going so, to pique my interest. I went in. On, I, I did this. You I, bet it. Yeah, I bet it. I bet the Rams at 18-1. to 1. See, Keith from L.A. just texted in and said Stafford's going to win the MVP. And I was about to say, yeah, if Stafford wins the MVP... I don't believe that, but... Are we, uh, just, Keith, you're on probation already. If he's healthy and Cooper Cup is healthy, I just... 
I know they got rid of Aaron Donald, I mean, uh, Jalen Ramsey, but they have they have Aaron Donald. So you have McVay. Just going from a five win team to a nine or ten win team. I think it's very logical for the Rams. So I went on the Rams 18-1. to 1. See, gun to my head, I wouldn't pick the Rams in just this conversation. But you throw in the odds, Yeah, Rams 18-1 to 1 makes sense because I don't love Denver 4-1 to 1 at all. I'm not touching that. Nope. Chicago 2-1, to 1, That's just there's not enough value there. There's, no, there's just no the value there. What are you doing making that bet? There's no value there. Texans, if you want to be a little bullish on what you've heard with training camps, things like that, I can understand that. But even like even six wins is only a plus three improvement from where the Texans were last year. So don't love that. Colts. Eh, like I don't feel comfortable making that bet. Eight to one, I feel okay ish. Saints won too many games last year. Jets, Browns won too many games last year. Falcons won seven games last See, year. People forget the Falcons won seven games last year. Eighteen to one for the Rams, a team that went, that won the Super Bowl two years ago with Sean McVay. Now Matthew Stafford has to stay healthy. Cooper Cup has to stay healthy. They only won five games. They they could get to nine wins. They could be the Seahawks from a year ago. Yeah, I think. And the reason why I also think about the Saints is if they do anything like the Vikings did a year ago. All it takes is a couple of one-score games that they can squeak out with the fact that they should be the best team in the division, as we both think. They should you know, ha- have the ability to run through that and win it. But I think if they win a couple of, uh, of tight games down the stretch, I think that team can get to double digits. I think that team could, could be a plus five. Now they would need to get to 12 wins. They would need to get to 12 wins. So that's a plus, plus five, five, I think. Now what, yeah. let's, let's kind of flip the conversation a little, a little. What wins this? What delta wins this? Plus five? Is it plus six? I think six? plus five and you win it. I think plus four and you might have a push. I think you might have a couple of teams in the mix. I, I think it takes it minimum so. five. Because every single year you see a team, at least one bad team, go from like a top five pick, to top playoff. seven pick to a playoff yeah. spot. So, I mean, you're talking about the, the bottom of the barrel is the Texans, the Broncos, the Bears. Obviously, it won't be the Cardinals. We know that. But, like, right. I think it might be six wins. Six Delta plus six. Yeah, like well, let's six see, wins is what to, wins it. Trying to see what won it. I thought ceiling before. was four. If you say, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Basement was four to get in to the conversation where you might have several teams. You're saying that the ceiling is six. I mean, last year it was six. Okay, the, the, it was six. The Detroit Lions in 2021 went three and thirteen, and then last year they went nine and eight. See, there wow. was a lot of five. Plus fives too. Like Philadelphia went from nine to fourteen. Yeah, the Giants went from four to nine. So oh, you had actually, a handful of plus fives too. I don't know. The fours actually, out. Wait. The Vikings. The Vikings were plus five. Uh, oh yeah, Jacksonville went plus five. So there was a ton of plus fives. It might take six. six yeah. yeah. So like, yeah, it would have been six last year. I mean, it's just there's always one team that like really surprises you. The one thing I did find, I think really, that disqualifies the Texans though. Because yeah. if you're looking at plus six, that puts them at nine wins. I, like, I, I think that no disqualifies not them. That, not, not this coming season. I think it might be a team that won six, seven games that gets to 12. I think that's what it's going to take, to be honest. And that, that, I mean, the Rams, I think, are in the mix here, five to 11. I think that's in play. I guess it could be the Saints, seven to 13. It's I think logical. the Saints are in play. They're more in play yeah, now I, than we're I really am bullish on, the, on the Saints being in the mix. The Jets. But the Saints are going to be, by the way, a plus six. You th- they would I, have to be. Yeah, I don't think, and I don't think they're going to do it. That's why they're out. They I, would have to. They would have to do it in the path that you drew up. They yep. just sweep the division. Right. They win maybe a game or two that they shouldn't win, and they have, they put together a Minnesota Viking type of regular season. That's the only way. Yeah, and I don't see them getting to thirteen. Like wins. Miami's not getting to fifteen. The the Patriots aren't getting to fourteen wins. The Jets to thirteen. I think the division That's and the po- conference is too tough. It's I mean, they, possible. They play the, I hate to say it, but it's possible. They play the AFC East, obviously. They play the AFC West and the NFC East. Yeah, that's, that's not going to happen. That's a lot of playoff the teams they're going to be going against. Steelers would have to get to 15, no. Cleveland would have to get to 13? 
It'd be kind of a miracle. Yeah. I don't think they're a 13 team. That would suck. It would stink Texas, Texas fan. fan. That would really suck. Uh, one thing I just thought was interesting with this list, it's not that I, I would play this. They have the Philadelphia Eagles and the Vikings at 250 to 1. The Eagles went 14 and 3 last year. They have the Kansas City Chiefs at 150 to 1. To be the most improved team? Yeah. It's, so their it's odds, impossible. No, I know, but their odds are 100, 100 points better, however you want to say it, than the Eagles, and they had the same record. So whatever this book is telling you, they think there's at it's, least somewhat of a chance the Chiefs could go like 17-0. No, and 0. No. no chance it's happening. There's no way. It's, it's a throwaway no. bet. You're burning oh. money on yep. fire. Like yeah, I don't even know why they're fun. on the board. Because like, if we're sitting here talking that it's going to take a plus six improvement to, to no win shot. this bet— they're gonna have to go twenty. You have to win twenty games in a seventeen-game schedule. Like it's a, it's a. Like why are they even on the board? Yeah, I don't know why they're on the. board I mean, either. they're on the board because if some fool wants to bet it, they're gonna allow that fool That's to bet exactly it. What there but there's for. no reason that anybody should, with any sort of sense, be playing that, making that bet on any team that, quite frankly, has ten wins. Like anybody who has ten wins a year ago, maybe even nine. You, you should you, sh- you yeah. should be deleting them from your list of potential bets. Yeah, I, I think I think like the the sweet spot would be six wins or less. I think you're looking for a six win delta. Yeah, I, I think like I don't want besides the teams in the NFC South. So besides the Saints, like I wouldn't touch the Atlanta Falcons at uh, eighteen Chi- to one. Chicago, I think would could hit that six win delta, but again, no value here. Yeah, Two to one value, I'm staying away. And that's where like this bet kind of is a wash. From like you have to go a little, like that's why I went with the Rams because it's just the upside is there. It's eighteen to one. Yeah, I like the ups- I like that bet. So it's it's the one I felt the most comfortable with. Yeah, because I think the Rams, Saints, and Bears are the only ones I would think about. Bears value is terrible. I'm crossing them off the list. Saints are going to take thirteen wins, so I'm probably crossing them off the list. And the AFC, even the Colts would have to get the ten wins. I don't feel great about that. Broncos to eleven. I think I think you made the right play here. We criticize you for bad bets. I think this was a, a solid one. Well, you know what's going to happen? They're going to win. They're going to have the first pick in the draft next year. No, they're going to. What's going to happen is they're going to win nine games. And oh. gonna get the, but the Bears are going to win. Uh, uh, time out. What's this? A they're going to win. They're yeah. going to win nine games. That's a win-win for or me. eight games. That's a win-win for me. But you lose money. You, I'd rather lose money and see the Bears succeed. That's a good point. Money, it's an emotional hedge. Emotion is better than money. <laughs> it's an emotional. Uh, hedge. Plus, you get a discount. You're fine. Yeah. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN HRP listener line seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Coming up next on the Killer Bees, I had an epiphany this morning. This morning about the Houston Texans, and it's a good epiphany Ooh. about the Houston Texans. Killer Bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five. If you have an epiphany that you're going to make a million dollars this year. Well, I have your answer. A couple of contests I want to tell you about. The Circa Million and the Circa Survivor are back. $14 million in guaranteed prizes, and there is no rake. The biggest football contest in Vegas back for their fifth year only at Circa Sports. Head to Circa, enter in Vegas, and the beauty of this sucker, you can play from anywhere you want. Anywhere in the country after you enter in Vegas. The two contests, first one I'll tell you about. The Circa Million Football Contest, $6 million in total prizes. They have quarterly payouts. You have a hot first quarter, hot third quarter. You're eligible to win these quarterly payouts. 100% payback, too. No rank. You can't get that anywhere else. The top prize of the Circa Million Football Contest is, you guessed it, $1 million. All you have to do is pick five teams against the spread weekly, and the winner takes home $1 million. Also, the Circa Survivor, the second contest I want to tell you about. We've all played Survivor Pools. The Circa Survivor has their biggest prize pool yet, 8 
million dollars. You're the lone survivor. You're a millionaire. A guaranteed $8 million is yours. Simple. Pick a winner straight up each week. No spread and you can win potentially $8 bucks. Bigger money than ever before. Play today for your share of $14 million combined and guaranteed prizes. Contests are open now. You don't want to miss out. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircusSports.com for details. It's time to sit back, relax, and enjoy this next bit of brilliance with Joel and Jeremy. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's the Killer Bees. 50 Cent will be back in Houston next week for the final lap tour. Catch all of your favorite songs by the talented rap star at the Toyota Center on Thursday, August 24th. Caller number 10 and 12 to 713-780-3776 wins a pair of tickets to see 50 Cent in the final lap tour. You can also get your tickets if you're not lucky caller number 10 and 12. You can also get tickets at toyotacenter.com. Lamont texting in, Blankers. Mm, He He says... What's that? He loves us. I think he likes one of us more than the other. It's probably fine. Uh, Lamont says, who will have a better statistical season, Stroud or Fields? Fields. I think it's a no-brainer. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a no-brainer. And it's not a knock on Stroud. At all. I mean, Stroud might someday become a, you know, have a higher ceiling than Justin Fields. This is a weird year for Fields in that it's kind of make or break for his career, I feel. If Fields has a bad year this year, Chicago could be looking to move on from Justin Fields. I, I think it, they thought about it a year ago. I don't know how far they got with that. I think they thought about it. They didn't, obviously, they just didn't decide to do it, but I think it was a discussion internally. It better have been. Yeah. Do we think we could be better with Bryce Young than we are currently with the guy we have in Justin Fields? They chose to see what they have instead of trying to get who they don't know enough about or they didn't know how it would work out. And I think they made the right decision. But you're right. I mean, it is seemingly a make-or-break year for Justin Fields because everybody knows he can run, and he mm-hmm. led the league from the quarterback position and maybe other positions in, like, 40-yard runs and ability to get out in space and really bust big plays. Passing is always going to be the issue with him, and now he's got receivers. If he's got receivers and he doesn't improve, you know, by quite a bit in the passing game, it's going to be a problem for him. Like, Stroud has a better chance to be the quarterback for the football team they're currently employed with next Absolutely. year. But Fouds, Fields is going to put up better numbers. And, and, I mean, you just go to look at some fantasy rankings. Justin Fields is just on this Google search real quick. Top quarterbacks in the NFL from a fantasy perspective. And you're talking about results. Fields is quarterback number six and C.J. Stroud's quarterback number 28. Yeah. Like, Fields is going to have better numbers than Stroud. And if Stroud has better numbers than Fields, either Stroud has blown away our expectations or Fields has blown away our expectations in a negative way. Uh, this is a pretty big gap between the two, what everybody's expecting from a statistical point of view. Uh, Rare Candy likes Joe's bet with the Rams. He says, uh, I might have to follow Joe up on that, which is that's dangerous. Yep. Uh, that's dangerous. And then Fuentes does not like Justin Fields. He says, Justin Fields sucks. And then he says, the last quote, unquote, quarterback. I don't know why I put quarterback in quotes. Actually, I do know why. Uh, he says, he's the last quote, unquote, quarterback I'd want on my team. So Fuentes is not a big Justin Fields guy. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you, you know, from, from the standpoint from Justin Fields, when you're just looking at statistics, he's going to completely blow CJ out of the water with rushing yards sure. because that's what he does. But I think the fact that you've given him talent around him this year, what's, it, it, what makes this so in- interesting to watch because he's already developing, developing a, a relationship with DJ, that, you know, and, and you can see that he's actually, he's, he's got commit at tight end. Who's, who's a decent tight end. They, they spend a lot of money and, and, and tried to improve their offensive line. I truly believe that this is a totally different Bears team offensively because they know as well as 
he should know that there's a lot riding on this season to see the improvement from him. So they're kind of like when we talked about with the Texans, they're giving him the best opportunity to succeed by putting a whole lot more than he had a year ago around him. It's interesting to me that Justin Fields, who's 5-20 and 20 in his life as an NFL starter, who's been pretty subpar as a passer in the NFL, everybody acts like he's going to be the next superstar. Like if, if Fields puts together a year that he just put together, if Justin Fields goes 17 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, leads the league in sacks, 60% completion percentage, and they go 4-13, and 13, they're looking for a new quarterback. Yeah. And like Fields, Fields has shown flashes in his first two years, and that's what everybody's expecting. Development, progression, young quarterback taking that next step. If Fields puts together the same year he did last year, the Bears are moving on, I think. I th- yeah, I think they very well could be, but I think the bigger thing is having watched some of his games very closely, two in particular, but watching some of the other games, I think he still struggled from time to time. Decision-making is one thing, but reading and picking up coverages and understanding where the ball needs to go and forcing it too many times into places it shouldn't go. And I think that that's where he has to take the biggest step. Yes, it's one thing to say he has weapons and a better line. It's another thing to say, has he progressed with his decision-making, because that's where it's. I think it's going to be make or break for him. Mm-hmm. Here's my uh, epiphany that I had today, Blankers. And 713-780-3776. I'm not even sure why I, I thought of this. Sometimes my mind just wanders, and I, it, it takes me places I never thought were, were, were imaginable. It feels good. And look, I, I'm like you. I don't expect big things for the Texans this year. In fact, I've said don't grade this season based on the win-loss record. You should be looking at about the development, the progression, the potential, and the flashes you see from the young players. Also, with the caveat, there is the black cloud that you don't own your own number one pick uh, next season. But it is really nice going into a season where we're not looking at like the trade deadline. We're not looking about veterans that you're showcasing trying to flip at the deadline for a third, for a fourth round pick. And a big part of it's because you have a young nucleus like Stroud. He's going to be here for four years plus one. Will Anderson, four years plus one. Stingley, still got three years plus one, et cetera. We go around the horn with all these players that are young, young nucleus that you're not looking to trade at the deadline. But years past, it's like, okay, what can you get for Brandon Cooks? Should the Texans be interested in trading Laramie Tunsil? Name the player where the Houston Texans are like, okay, come down deadline they, they could get a fourth or a fifth and look I'm not expecting the Texans to win nine games this year but it's kind of refreshing going into the season saying well I'm counting down the days to the trade deadline to see what the Texans can acquire it's nice that you have promise it's nice that you have potential even if it's not for this season but you can kind of start to see the light at the end of the tunnel a little bit it's a 180 from and it's it, the reason why it's refreshing is because it's all not negativity I mean, you think about the recent history of the past with the just a debacle at, at coaching uh, in two straight years, right? Thing, yeah. Then you throw in Jack Easterby and the distraction that he was for a majority of the time, and Deshaun Watson and the distraction that he was a majority of the time, and then starting to talk about players that just got so disgruntled that they had to get out or they wanted to get out. And like you mentioned, Brandon Cooks amongst them. And, and, and everything every week was a negative insight, a negative projection, a negative, like, what are they going to do next? This team just can't do wrong right. Now you're looking at the excitement of a new head coach, the resurrection of ownership to where, thanks to Hannah, it looks like the owners are going to be engaged and actually look like they're going to make some decent decisions and that they're kind of more in touch and in tune with their fan base. Look at the fact that you've got the young players that you can actually get behind. You've got a franchise quarterback. You've got a second-year running back that's exciting. You've got trades that you made with draft picks that you have and second-year players that have progressed to where everything you're looking for is progress. And everything excites you about the fact this defense, and, and listening to DJ again, tell you this defense could be really, really good. And the potential with the kind of skill position players you're adding, you might not think, you, you might know in your heart of hearts, it's not going to happen this year, 
But you're encouraged by the fact that if these guys show progress this year, this could be a really good situation for several years. And that's not what you had the last several years. It's just refreshing to have young players. And look, maybe they don't even pan out. But it's refreshing to have young players that you can kind of hang your hat on and say, well, we've got a chance in a few years. Even a coaching staff that's got a clue, right? To to run an offense that's more modern-day NFL. Mm -hmm. So you can see some action, some motion, you know, have some things to where you can catch a defense off balance instead of the vanilla fluff that we were fed for years and years. That's exciting. A lot of the players in the last couple of years that produced for the Texans in terms of like volume and counting stats, you are counting down the days for them to leave. Brandon Cooks, when are you trading him? Nick Casario missed out on three different cycles when he could have traded him to maximize like the top return you could have had for Brandon Cooks. Even Davis Mills is a young player. Counting down the days to have a franchise yeah. quarterback. The defensive side of the ball. Like Christian Kirksey, kind of, I mean, I know he's still on the roster, but kind of counting down the days until you over-recruit him. So somebody else is playing ahead of him. And you get, the list goes on and on. How many times we had to look at Rex Burkhead getting Rex carries Burkhead. going, why in the hell is he out there getting carries? But now you've got, you've, you've moved on to another running back in Singletary that could actually give you a, an option out of the backfield that can be more dynamic in the offense. And so that excites you. Year, year two of Pierce and Petrie are extremely exciting from last year's draft class and some of the other guys that they drafted. And this is even about Mechie, but at least he's on the field and you could, you're excited to see what he could be. Yep. But Tank Dell in week one already has given you a new fire to kind of be lit that says, I can't wait to see this kid progress as well. It's night and day in terms of we're going from mostly negative with maybe there's a positive here and there to almost all excitement and positive, not even expecting like playoffs and win, 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 but just progress going in the right direction and kind of having the right mindset and culture for the first time in a long time. It's just refreshing. It's just refreshing. Really like I'm not, and again, not expecting the Texans to be the most improved team in the NFL, not expecting them to be a playoff team whatsoever, but it's, it's refreshing to have. Hope. You even wrapped up Tunsil, so you don't have to worry about if he's practicing or missing 10 weeks with a hangnail. And, and I'm trying to think of what would be the most negative story right now. Like, if in, in the last two years, if I said, what's the negative story? You'd rattle off three or four right off the top of your head. If I said right now, what's the most negative story about the Texans for this season? Um, negative story for the Texans. I love this because I mean, you, you probably, have to think about, but it. it's probably on the field, and it might be like it might be what DJ said, like depth of offensive lines a little scary right now. That probably is it because like there hasn't been off the field stuff at all. Um, D'Amico is somebody that you have hope for. The young players you're hopeful for. Uh, it's, it, pro- it's it's on the field. It's probably I, know I, I think it's offensive line for I, me. I think it's just if you stink and you don't have your pick. Yeah, that's it. That's the most negative. That's, that's the, the black only, cloud. That's, that's the, the cloud. black cloud. That's, yeah. that's so we've the, been calling that's it. the storyline that's not going away. I would say the one negative to me is if your first-round pick of a year ago in Kenyon Green craps the bed. I, I would think that that's one where they're going to start watching and, and, and start pointing, and then Nick's going to catch hell, and, and the, you know, the seat's going to heat up, and people are going to be like, and then, Joe, as it ropes into that, the next thing, now they're going to start looking for it with Nick. They're looking for another screw-up. Well, now if you traded away your own first-round pick and you're not getting wins and Kenyon Green doesn't look very good, yeah. that's your negative. Yeah, bust. Or Stingley. It could be Stingley, too, although True. I think we're, we're more hopeful for Stingley yeah. than we are Kenyon Green. 713-780-3776. Cash them or trash them? What are the hot takes? What are the overreactions that we have that the other guys are going to cash or trash? You can play along, too. What do you want us to cash or trash? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Before we go to the break, tell you about good people at Apollo Men's Health. Apollo Men's Health making a difference in people's lives on a daily basis. 
Recently, they just added FDA-approved semi-glutide to all the different services they offer. If you don't know about semi-glutide, hey, maybe you want to lose weight. Maybe you have to lose weight because you just aren't feeling great, but you don't have time to go to the gym and get a workout in. Semi-glutide can actually have you losing up to six pounds a week, and when you do the math, Every month when you're on semi-glutide, you are losing weight, you are slimming down, and you are feeling better. It's a possibility. It's something you should explore, just like all the other services at Apollo Men's Health. Go to ApolloMH.com. Check out all the services offered. See if a couple interests you. If a couple makes sense to you, make an appointment right there online. When you go in there, you're going to find helpful people that are going to ask you tough questions because they want to get down to the bottom of where you're failing and where you're falling short. From the boardroom to the weight room to the bedroom. As you get older, you experience more problems and issues that you never thought about when you were younger and you think that there's nothing you can do about them. Thanks to Apollo Men's Health, there is a way to solve the problems and get better. Men and women in there every single day in the lobby to get hormone therapy, to get more energy in their lives. They can help you too. Tell them I sent you by because I am a huge advocate for everything with Apollo Men's Health because they take care of me and they can take care of you too. ApolloMH.com. Go see my friends at Apollo Men's Health. Prepare for overreaction on my mark. It's that time of the week where overreactions are not only welcome, they're celebrated. They say Muhammad Ali was the greatest of all time, but he never fought Cassius Clay. It's Cashem or Trashem with the Killer Bees. This is your hot take. Hmm. Give us a hot spoonful of your opinion. Cashem or Trashem with the Bees. Age before beauty, Blankers. What are you cashing or trashing this week? Um, The Seattle Mariners are going to catch the Houston Astros in the wild card race. You cashing this or trashing this? Mariners are hot right now. Astros seem to be kind of screwing around a little bit. As much as I want to trash it, you got to start looking in your rearview mirror a little bit to understand your situation. And I understand matchups mean something. I'm I'm going to trash it, but trash. I think it's but I think it's worth looking at because I, the Mariners aren't going away. It's not like the Angels. Yeah, I'm trashing it too, but it is something that I've been paying attention to. Trash. Uh, I. What's kind of big to me is that the gap between the Astros and the Rangers is smaller than the gap between the Astros and the Mariners. Yep. And right now it's barely. It's a hair. Uh, the Astros three and a half back of the Rangers, but four games in front of Seattle. It helps the Seattle's lost three yeah, in a Seattle row. Seattle had a little hiccup yeah. this last weekend. It, it helps a lot. So I don't think it's crazy to have these thoughts. Crazy to think about that. But I am going to trash it. Uh, I'm also going to trash it. Trash. But what's interesting is Seattle 110% controls their own destiny. From September 22nd to October 1st, their last 10 games of the season, they play the Rangers three times, the Astros three times, and the Rangers four times. That's their last 10 games. If they dominate so they the, play Ra- the Rangers seven times, seven of, the last of their 10 last games. 10 games wow. are against the Texas They could Rangers. be the Astros' friend, too. But that's, yeah, it's kind of good, though, for yeah, the like, Astros' perspective, because they can kind of cannibalize each the, other. You could knock the Rangers well, And it out could of be the meaningful, playoffs. right? You can't coast against a, a, a crap team like the A's. Yeah. That could be interesting for the Astros. That right. last that's 10, what I'm saying. That 10 game stretch is going to be really fascinating. That's going to be interesting. Like, if this division and wild card between the three teams is tight and like that's the final run. For the Mariners, they're going to control what happens in the AL West. Yeah, that's a, Jeremy. Your point too. The other question would be, what has a better chance of happening: the Mariners catching the Astros or the Astros catching the Rangers? Um, what's more likely to happen? Yep. Astros to Rangers okay. than, than Mariners to Astros. I would I would tend to agree, but this four games in the loss column starting to catch my, more than my eyes, starting to make me worry a little bit. 
Yeah, I don't blame you. Um, I'll keep it to baseball with my cash of trashes. There should be a pitcher rookie of the year and a position player rookie of the year. We have an MVP. I know pitchers can win the MVP, but it's very, very rare. We have the Cy Young. So you have a major award for offensive players most of the most of the time, a high percentage of the time, and you have a major award for pitchers. Why don't we see the same thing in rookie of the year? Why is there just one rookie of the year that's won by either a pitcher or a hitter? We should have a pitcher rookie of the year and a hitter rookie of the year. I'm going to cash this. I, I, I agree with this. The only thing I would say is, is that though it's more rare than ever, and it's it has been done time a couple times where a pitcher has won the MVP. So I, I would say conceivably you can win the MVP. Then shouldn't it be just one award that a hitter or a pitcher could make? But I believe that you're right, and especially because it's real personal this year. When you look at what J.P. France has done, uh, as opposed to Gunnar Henderson and, and some of the guys that are in the discussion. To me, I look at this and I say, one, we're not, the national media is not talking enough in this discussion about J.P. France, but it does seem to be a pretty fair ask to say, hey, look, have a rookie pitcher of the year and a rookie position player. I don't, I don't think that there's anything wrong with this. I think they should do it. Yeah, this is easy. Right? I never even thought of it, but that's a great point. It's silly. Yeah. I thought of it the other day because of France, to be honest. Like, looking to see J.P. Was... France's Rookie of the Year odds, I'm like, he's way behind some of these guys. But if you had a pitcher one, he's going to win it. Everybody, after his last start on social media, was all over this whole Rookie of the Year and him he, him getting snubbed. It's ridiculous. I mean, he's, his numbers are good enough to where he should be in the top three, probably. Uh-huh. Like, I, I don't even think there's even a question. But I don't feel like he's going to buzz. Didn't one of the top rookies just get hurt, too, so that... Um... I believe so, yeah, but I can't. Texas. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah that's yeah, right. Yeah, Josh Young. Young, yeah. third base. He's got yep. a younger brother, too. They were tech Who guys. Apparently a young rakes. I don't even know. This is like one of the. This is like first one you ever had. I know. Um, did you guys see that the numbers 0 through 19 are all occupied <laughs> yeah, for the hilarious. Detroit Lions? This is so uh, funny. This is a great idea to let Teddy Bridgewater wear number 50. Teddy Bridgewater's wearing number 50. It looks so awkward. I haven't seen it. Now, remember in the preseason when Mac Jones was a rookie, that was like his punishment. But don't the Patriots do that to, like, keep everybody off guard? Like, who's who? Well, it's also a Belichick thing to, like, yeah, to kind of, like, not get the quarterback. They don't hand rosters with numbers on them and stuff like that. Right. Like, screw with the media. It's a Belichick weird thing. This should be uh, the norm. Let quarterbacks wear whatever they want. Cash uh, or trash. I'm trashing this. Oh, yeah, I'm trash. I don't like trash. it at all. I'll be trash. honest with you. I, I understand how the players want to wear their college numbers in the NFL, but it does throw you for a loop a little bit because in the NFL, at least you knew from the standpoint of organization, you knew based on numbers, quarterbacks, wide receivers, you know, defensive backs, linemen, things like that, and it does kind of screw it up. The only thing I don't want is double numbers. I think even in college football, that oh that that I don't think will ever happen. I know, but it's so annoying. Yeah, it, 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 no, it drives me nuts when they do it in college. football. It happened in the Chiefs preseason game the other night too, where they thought Juju Smith Schuster was running back a punt, and they announced it. And I go, why the hell would they be, or for the Patriots? Yeah, I'm like in the Texas game. I'm like, why in the oh, hell yeah. would they have Juju running back punts and kicks? And they're like, oh, double number. It's so and so. I'm like, ah, oh, see, that's BS. Was that a, the double number? Or they just screw up. No, it's a double number. In the NFL. They I said for, in the NFL they I think had double for the number. preseason they double preseason. Really? That's weird. And I didn't know that in the past. I'm with blankers. I don't I don't like that uh, receivers wear like the weird numbers. I don't like that running backs wear number one or linebackers wear single so you don't, digit you don't numbers. Like, you don't like I don't DeAndre like the, Swift the defense the is zero. where it really screws no, you up. Not at all. Where your middle linebacker your yeah. Mike linebacker is wearing one. I'm not crazy about it. 
I don't oh, really? I, yeah. I don't like the new rule that allows the numbers. But do you to have be an whatever. issue with it in college? Like no. Reggie Bush at number no. five is iconic. I don't mind it in college at all. But in the What's... NFL, it just looks weird to me. It looks different. It's change. I don't like change. Oh, you're, you're like Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Get off my lawn. Tom, this is Tom Brady yeah. still having the phone with a, yeah. the rotary dial and a cord. Facts. Tom Brady said he didn't know if, like who to throw the ball to if everyone was wearing different numbers. It's weird to me. Like to see an NFL we'll linebacker wearing the number one is bizarre. I don't like it. We'll I don't like it at all. It. It's professional sports. It shouldn't be this way. Why? I want my quarterback to wear number 69. What's wrong with that? That's just childish. It's very childish. Of course, it's me. Yeah. Oh. L- Lucas Glover. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about golf because we understand the market. Swampy? Lucas Glover, Swampy, should be one of Zach Johnson's six captain picks for the Ryder Cup. Justin Thomas stinks. He shouldn't be on the team. Bryson DeChambeau's in live, although it might be in the best form. Give Lucas Glover a spot on the U.S. Ryder Cup team. Chalk one up for the old guys. I mean, the fact for him and you and I were talking about this off air yesterday, I thought the dude was almost done with golf. Hadn't heard about him in forever. Now, not only does he resurface, but he has one hell of a resurrection of his career the whole year. Wins back-to-back tournaments, getting ready for the FedEx Cup and in the FedEx Cup. He's earned it. I mean, depending on how, if there's going to be that kind of behind-the-scenes, anti-live feeling about all of this as well. But the dude, it'd be one thing if he just caught lightning in a bottle and got hot at a tournament or a course he knows. To win back-to-back events and be in the mix going forward in the FedEx, I I think he should be on the team. Yeah, totally. He should be on it. And here's a couple of more, uh, one more note on Lucas Glover. Last year, Lucas Glover made under $2 million. In the last two weeks, he's made almost $5 million. He's on the biggest heater of his life. He Cash and Stuart Sink, I thought, were sure. like eight Cash. years ago popular. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Sink won this year, and he resurrected to to a certain level. What The fact that what Glover's doing right now is ridiculous. I'm pretty sure Glover had a uh, an ex-wife incident, too. He did? I'm pretty sure he did. I'm going to look it up in a second. But I'm pretty sure he had a crazy ex-wife He should have a wardrobe incident, incident and which... get some waterproof pants. <laughs> I made an ace last night in 2K24. Oh, it was awesome. Gee, Joe, that's <laughs> at what time of the night games. was that? 1230. You, you have another cash or trash or Joe? We have some text here that we'll get no, to go quickly. To text. All right, Keith from LA. We'll do this quickly. Cash or trash, Little League Baseball, Softball, or Little League Soccer? I guess he's asking for one or the other. Little League Baseball. Wrong game, Keith. I, both, both are awful. I know you hate it. Both I are love, terrible. I love watching Little League Baseball. Look, it's great for them. It's great for the kids. I, I'm not saying, like, don't trash. do this, but watching it, I'd rather, I, uh, rather watch my grass grow. And it's I have very awful. little of it because it's in the drought. If you're a team that you get screwed by a growth spurt, if a kid has an early growth spurt, so some bad. of these kids that are like six foot one eighty as twelve year olds is ridiculous. But if I had to pick one baseball, yeah, if I had to pick one, yeah, baseball. baseball's the only one I'm watching. Ocho, the Atlanta Braves dream season will re- result in another playoff loss to a heavy underdog like the twenty two Phillies. I hope so, but I don't think so. I think that's the most, that's the hottest team in baseball. That's the best record in baseball. I'm not, obviously, I'm not going to sell the Astros short. I think it could be an Astros Braves World Series again. But damn, the Braves are good. Very often, the best team doesn't make it to the World Series. Ask I'm going to cash it. Eight zero two nine. Maldi will be the starting catcher next season. Oh, gross. that's just trash. <laughs> trash. Four zero seven two. Yankees will finish below five hundred this season. I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're going to finish below five hundred. I think they're. I, but I definitely think they're missing the playoffs. I'm going to cash that because I think once they kind yep. of get further and further out of the race, I think they're probably just going to be like, hey, Judge, have surgery on that toe. That pitching staff's in shambles. That offense sucks. I'm going to cash it. Under 500 for the Yankees. Yeah, I agree. Aaron Boone back next year? No way. Hell no. They're saying yes. They're saying that he, because of injuries and, the, and because the clubhouse likes him, if they bring Aaron Judge back after that debacle well, I hope they this bring last Judge year. Back. I, hope, I hope Judge is back to be with the Yankees. 
Well, I'm sure he will be. But I'm, I mean, Aaron. I mean, I'm not Aaron Judge. Aaron Boone. Aaron Boone. <laughs> I've, I've heard that Cashman will be back. I've not seen the same thing about Boone. If that's how, true, that's ridiculous. How, how do you a lot of my keep friends, either of those guys? A lot of my friends from New York are saying that back in New York, that's all, all the talk is that Booney will be back because the injuries are the reason why and the players like him. I'm not sure what's more surprising. You have friends or you have friends in New York. Triple zero two, cash your trash. Baseball fans will witness three triple crown winners before a single pitcher throws two no nos in the same season. Trash. Trash. I thought Robert was on his way to a no hitter yesterday. Yeah, I trash. He dominated the first two. Yeah. I'm going to trash that too because three trash. triple crown winners. It happens. They happened recently, right? When's the last triple crown? Yeah, I was going to say triple crown winners don't happen very often. Didn't Judge was chasing it last year? Did he fall short? I think he fell. I think short. in the average department. Who won the batting championship last year? Was it, oh, it was Arise. Luis yeah. Arise won the yeah. batting championship. Judge won it in 22. No, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't win batting average. I bad. think Triple Crown is very, very difficult to do. Yeah. I think Secretary was the last Triple I'm just kidding. 713. That is Aaron Judge. 713-780-ESPN, the HRP listener line. More caches are trashed. Them. Send them to, uh, to Blankers. Who are the best one-year wonders or worst one-year wonders in Astros history? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Time to get back to sports school with the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. Yeah, I was wrong about Lucas Glover and his uh, crazy ex-wife. She's crazy, but it's not not his ex-wife. They're still together. Oh. They're still together. There was oh. a there was an incident back in nineteen where his wife and his mom got like into an altercation and she was drunk and she called the cops and said that they got into a fight but they didn't get into a fight and she had to she received 12 months probation i think I for domestic violence charges yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a crazy story back in 19 like uh joe's boy from the cubs that was a little different but still had a crazy wife now ex-wife now ex-wife yeah that was a Terrible story with the, you're talking about Ben Zobrist, yeah, former Zobrist. Astro farm. Yeah, because didn't he didn't he have to take time away from baseball? I think he, because I think of he how retired. Much it bothered he, him. He never, he never played, played again. again. He never played again. I thought he tried no. to make one comeback. Mm-mm. No, yeah, he, I didn't think she, he ever played again. Yeah, that he had really an affair with him. the pastor. Yeah, terrible. And then he that's never played right. again. That's right. Yep. Yeah, terrible story. Uh, Miguel Cabrera, the last to win a triple crown. It looks like when it, it looks like throwing two no hitters in the same season is done has been done more often than a triple crown hitters triple crown. Because there's been five pitchers who have thrown two no hitters in the same season. You say how many triple crown winners did there? There's probably a bunch no. There's way, way there's, back in the day. There's way more triple crown winners, but it but was it's a long time. But Miguel Cabrera was in 2012. The last one before that was 1967. It was Carlos Stremski. So we went 40 years. I mean, going back to like the 80s and 90s, the, like the 1930s. Yeah, see, there's that's a little so many, but. Since like Joel was born, there's been like three. Yeah, it's tough to do. <laughs> Scherzer threw it no two no hitters in fifteen. Nolan Ryan did it in seventy three. Joel, what year were you born? Nineteen forty one, Joe. Oh, then there was a lot. Oh, that's, a, that's a little more recent than I thought. Yeah. Um what are the biggest I saw Babe Ruth and that big boy could hit. You saw him call a shot? Yeah. Calling games on ticker he, he could tape. call his shot on uh, and didn't have dollar dog night, but he could he could put away some hot dogs. Joey Chestnut might have his hands full with Babe. The babe, babe could hammer some hot dogs. Who are the best one-year wonders in Astros history? The biggest cheater of them all. Like we can see recently, like Rafael Montero Marwin. seems to be a one-year Marwin's wonder. Marwin's big because you don't. A lot of people Marwin's think about this and think, "Oh, is it? Does it have to be a rookie? No, it could be anybody." I mean, 
there's been some pitchers too, right? There's sure. been um, Brandon Backey got was it more than a year? He had a couple of solid seasons and then was like super clutch in the postseason. Yeah, um, I think Montero's a good one. Rafael Montero was a one year wonder last year and got career. paid yeah. and then got paid. Marwin Gonzalez had Marwin Gonzalez led the Astros in RBIs in 2017. Exactly, it's crazy. Like I, I think he is the answer. Now, it was it was only 90, but he led the Astros in RBI. Marwin Gonzalez finished top 20 in MVP voting that like, year. Think about that, what year? that lineup. 17, 17, and he had the big hit against the Dodgers. Yeah, against Jansen. That's yeah. That's in a nutshell. That's a good you, one. Yeah, I don't know how you get better than that. The one that I think of is um, Mitch Molusky. One uh, one rookie of the year hit over three hundred. Got into a fight with was it? I can't remember who he got into a fight with. It was like it was like during batting practice of the cages. It was like a veteran out his own team. Yeah, he got he, he got punched. Like I think he annoyed somebody. and He got punched, or no, I think he might have done the punching. I can't remember. There was a scuffle between Mitch Molusky, veteran outfielder, in the year Molusky. Mitch Molusky won the Rookie of the Year as a catcher, and then they traded him that offseason, Got hurt and didn't have a good career. Like didn't really huh. actually like didn't even play much the rest of his career. Yeah, I don't huge one hit. I had heard Mitch the Molusky. name, but I didn't remember switch him hitting having catcher one good year. hit over three hundred. Like he was he was like Yiner Diaz before Yiner Diaz. And was just some the Bagwell Biggio hated him, didn't get along with anybody, clubhouse cancer, got into a pregame fight at the batting cages where there was a punch, not necessarily a fight, got traded that offseason. He got traded for Osmus, I think. Okay, and so then it turned out all right for the end. And then he would he he played very little the rest of his career. That's I, I think that that's my answer. I Googled Mitch Molusky. I just like Googled it and so the three names that popped up were Charlie Kerfield. Kerfeld. Kerfeld. I don't remember him much. Charlie Kerfeld, uh, pitch, starting, pitch, starting pitcher. No, he was he was the the rainbow jerseys though. Yeah, eighty five. Uh, Lucas Harrell. Lucas Harrell. The two thousand ten season, and then this has Jason Lane, who I mean, that's a good one. He was really good in 05. Didn't Ensberg have one big year too? Year. He had more than one. He had one like unbelievable like top five. Ensberg was top year. five MVP one year. Yeah, but he Ensberg put together like two to three years that were quality. Okay, so like one hit wonder. Maybe one year wonder, probably not with Morgan Innsberg. Innsberg finished fourth in MVP in in two thousand five, but I mean the next year he had an over eight fifty OPS, at twenty three home runs, got hurt, and it was never the same. So, yeah. So he wasn't Kaja Gugu, but he was more like. I mean, he had, um, he had some good years. Innsberg did. He had one elite year, but he had two or three other good years. Okay, he was more Mister Mister than he was Kaja Gugu. I get it. I don't get it. I don't well, get the Google only there. had one hit wonder, and Mr. Mr. had a few. I got gotcha. yeah. Uh Jason Lane is definitely a one-hit wonder. The 05 year was an anomaly. Now, his 04 was fine, but he just didn't play a lot. He, he was a part-time player. He was like a pinch hitter. Uh, 05 was the only year as a starter where he was any good. And then I he keep, was with the Spacers a decade later. I think the, the other thing I was thinking about was like their top prospects. Their top prospects that were supposed to be. Like Derek Fisher. But that was never a one-hit yeah, wonder. Yeah, I know. Well, Derek wonder. Fisher did. He scored the run on the Bregman hit in Game 5. You know, he he ha- he made the roster, but he was never, I mean, anything you want to write home about. No, they ended up trading him. Yeah. To Toronto. And so was their big pitching prospect that ended up on the PED suspension. You talking about Forrest Whitley? No, uh, before Forrest Whitley. Oh, I know you're talking about. Uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, Polino? Uh, that sounds right. Felipe Polino? Yeah. He ended up with the Spacers, too, didn't he? And he was, he's like their all-time save leader. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think so. That's yeah. hilarious. Um, 
there's some people that actually were talking about this on Reddit. They mentioned Randy Johnson. Like that, I don't That's think that, right. that is. No, count. I don't think that counts. Like they mentioned Randy Johnson, Carlos Beltran. Like that, that doesn't What count. about like Kirk Sarlus or there were a couple pitchers that had one really, really good season. Peacock had more than that. But Peacock one year was really unhittable in the bullpen. The one, um, Kirk Sarlis, I remember just being like extremely mediocre for a series of years. I don't remember him having like a standout, really good. Wandy Rodriguez had one. Uh, he was solid for yeah, a while. He was good though. for a couple years. He was solid he was for a while. Right? Uh, yeah. yeah. The the starter that I think of is Jerome Robinson. Actually, I think his name was Jerome Robertson. Robertson, but it was spelled Jeremy. like Jerome. Yeah. Yep. But he had he just won a lot of games and had a terrible ERA. Mm-hmm. And I think they might have traded him quickly after that, and then he did nothing the rest of his career. But I th- I'm just keep, I just for some reason there were a couple starters that I remember kind of having a, a very unexpected breakout type season, but never being able to be consistent. Do you remember Chris Sampson? I don't. Chris Sampson was like during that same era of the Astros, right around the same time as like uh, who we're talking about. He had a couple of years where he was starting games like spot starter, relief pitching, where he was like okay, but no one expected him to be any good. But he was just okay every now and then. What about like Colin McHugh had more than one? Yeah, he's Colin I mean, he's McHugh a good was really leader. good one year where his ERA was like hovering around one something. He was he was when they made it put put him in the bullpen, and he was just and he could give you three innings or one inning, and he was really really good. And then I don't think he ever pitched out of the bullpen for the Astros. Yeah, he did. I think that, but he had a really good years as a starter. Oh, he did. But then he, they moved him to the bullpen. And he had a one really good year as like wherever they needed him. He could go a couple, he could go multiple innings. He could go through a, a couple batters, and, and he had a really good year for them. But oh, then he did. Yeah, that was in a eighteen. Yeah, yep. sub two ERA. Yep, I said one something. Yeah, I mean he had that one year in the pen. But overall, it was so like, there was a lot of him. potential, but he just never, I don't think, fully maximized it. McHugh was really good, actually. Yeah, he had a he had a two seventy three ERA in fourteen. He won nineteen games in two thousand fifteen. Colin McHugh. See, I was thinking in two separate. I was thinking as a starter, he had one year. Yeah, he did. As a reliever, he had one year. I think he had two years as a starter, and then there was a reliever one year. Now he's a reliever just in general, and he's a he's really still hanging good on reliever. though. Yeah, he's been bouncing around. He was with Boston, the Braves, the Rays. Where's, My dog says uh, Donnie Wall. Where is he now? He's in Atlanta. McHugh's still in Atlanta? Yeah, he's in Atlanta. Um, fishing with Dana says Wade Miley. Miley's actually pretty solid, like in his career. A B. Hannon, Luke Gregerson. Luke Gregerson was the closer on the 17 Astros, if you can believe that. Yeah. So was the <laughs> – who was the guy that they got from Pittsburgh? He was their closer when they sucked, and then he wasn't very good here, and then he went on to be the closer for the Yankees and a couple other teams. Huh. Big guy, blonde-haired guy, and he actually he actually had a, a decent year as a closer a couple years after that. With the, for the Yankees? Astros, yeah, I think he was with the Yankees. So this had to be pre-Mariano Rivera. No, it was after Mariano Rivera. Huh, I don't know. It was, when the, it was like 13, 12, 13, 14 for the Astros, and they ended up either trading him away or letting him walk. But then he went on to be a closer with like two or three other teams. Really? I'm going to have to look I'm up during the up break. Soon. Yeah, I don't, I don't recall that. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. The biggest one-hit wonders in Houston Astros history. Where, where does Rafael Montero stack up with that? Have you accepted the wild card if you're the Houston Astros? 713-780-3776. You have Mark name? Melanson. Oh, yeah, Melanson. Mark Melanson. Yep. Melanson was really Thank you, good. Greg. Yes, he was. He was a Yankee closer, though? I think it was the Yankees, but also like the Padres. There were a couple teams fighting for him when the he, you know he was, he was he I remember he closed games a lot for the Giants like a really good I guess, post Astros I just know career. for a couple of teams after the Astros he was their closer and had good seasons yeah he was really good reliever after he left the Astros that's when the Astros were terrible yep like sure the Carlos was. Lee Astros and they let him go seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six have you accepted the wild card from an Astros perspective Killer B's ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five.